0: On March 12, 1995, I was baptized into Christ's holy church. And on that day, the Reverend Harold Shimfessel asked me these questions. He said, Caleb, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? And I said, I do. He then asked, Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And I said, I do. He then asked, Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all nations, ages, and races? And I said, I do. And this week I have become incredibly convicted of my failure to live into this covenant that I made with God in the church on March 12, 1995, because as a member of the body of Christ, I've been invited to be a part of God's instrument to bring healing and wholeness to the brokenness of this world. And far too often I've been satisfied allowing the brokenness of this world to remain broken. I've been satisfied with simply criminalizing the brokenness of this world, asking a few brave souls who wear blue to keep the brokenness away from me rather than living into the gospel call to bring healing and wholeness to that brokenness. So this morning as we enter into worship together, I invite you to join me in a prayer of repentance because police brutality ultimately it's, it's not the problem in the training of the police. It's not the problem that there are a handful of bad apples. The problem is that the church has abdicated its responsibility to bring healing and wholeness to the brokenness of our world. Instead, we've said, well, we'll just ask the police to keep the brokenness where we don't have to see it. Lock the brokenness up. Just keep it away from us. So let's pray together. Most holy and gracious God, we come before you this morning with hearts that are broken for our failure to be broken by the things that break your heart. We've been far too comfortable, being satisfied, simply letting the brokenness be pushed to a place where we don't have to see it rather than being about the business of your kingdom and healing that brokenness. We've been fine with just criminalizing addiction rather than working to heal the brokenness that leads to it. We've been fine with with criminalizing homelessness rather than healing the brokenness that leaves a person living on the land. Lord, break our hearts for that which breaks yours. Convict us of our need to live into the call that you've given us. We are the only institution on the planet that you have equipped to heal brokenness. Lord, help us to be to be passionate about living into that call. Lord, give us the courage to go where the Holy Spirit leads us. Give us the courage to trust you completely and not abdicate the responsibility to heal brokenness and ask the police to just keep it out of our sight. Lord, your son, Jesus came into the world to heal brokenness and his body was broken in the process but it's through his sacrifice that we have eternal life. And Lord, for that, we are thankful. It's because of his sacrifice that we can truly call ourselves your children. So Lord, with the confidence of your children, we pray the way that Jesus taught us saying, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen let us pray O oh lord take our minds and think through them take my lips and speak through them Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you and for our neighbors. Lord, help us to see who truly is our neighbor and love them with the love that Jesus has shown us. Amen. You'll remember on Good Friday... We looked at the life of Nicodemus in the Gospel According to John, starting that first silent night when Nicodemus snuck off to visit Jesus under the cover of darkness, all the way until after Jesus' death, Nicodemus being one of the men who took the body of Jesus and gave it a king's burial. Well, today we are going to dive deeply into that first encounter of Nicodemus with Jesus found in John chapter three. As we begin uh, this series where we look at all the times in the gospel according to John, where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus makes three of these statements to Nicodemus. And we'll be looking at them today to discover What truth Jesus spoke to Nicodemus that may still be relevant for us living today. So, in John chapter 3, we read these words. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's it's a pretty uh, interesting thing that Nicodemus is ready to make this admission that the Pharisees recognize Jesus as coming from God. We'll go on and see throughout the rest of the Gospel according to John that the Pharisees are Jesus' primary opponent. They, on multiple occasions, make terrible claims about him, that he's demon-possessed, that he's a Samaritan, that he's a devil, that he's a false prophet. But here, in an early interaction with the Pharisees, we see Nicodemus saying, We know that you came from God. For no one can do these sorts of things unless God is with him. And Jesus responds, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again. Nicodemus would go on and say, How can I re enter my mother to be born again? And Jesus explains, it is not about a second physical birth. It's about being born of the Spirit. What Jesus is saying is that there are things about the way we enter the world that limit our capacity to know and be in a relationship with God that the fall, that this, this human condition that we are all born with, makes it so that we need a second spiritual birth in order to experience the life that God desires us to know and live and move and have our being in. So, as Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, it is important that we get past the assumptions that we're born into that are part of the fall. It's important that we have our minds rearranged and renewed and transformed In the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can know and love and desire the things of God. Picking back up in verse 5, Nicodemus says to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. For those of us who have uh, been baptized a little bit later in life, we can remember that moment, that time when uh, the pastor laid his or her hands on us and uh, baptized us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And for those of us who, who maybe uh, were infants and we were baptized, it's possible that we've had children of our own and we have participated in their baptism, that we have been uh, the sponsors and the guardians of a child's spiritual life. I want you to think about that moment. Think about what you remember, what that felt like, how you sense the spirit moving in that moment. You know, for the next minute, we're going to uh, share with those sitting around us what our strongest uh, baptism memory is and how that showed us something that's true about God. For me, my very favorite thing, about the baptizing of infants. And I felt this powerfully in the baptisms of Ben and Sam and Solomon, and also all the infants who I've gotten to baptize, both in this church and in in churches before. Uh, But my favorite thing is that it is such a perfect picture of God's love for us, because babies don't have economic value. They can't go to work. They can't do any chores. Babies basically are noise machines that make messes and eat. Yet we love them. We love them when there is nothing they can do for us. We attribute value to their smiles and their laughs and their cuddles. And it's greater than anything they could produce uh, going and working the owl shift at McDonald's. And that's the way God feels about us. That it is not about what we can do for God. God just loves us because we are His. He loves knowing us. He loves when we talk to Him. He loves when we engage with the Holy Spirit leading us in our lives. You know, my, as the days have gone past, uh, different stories have come out about who George Floyd was and what his life was about. And my favorite George Floyd story was a few years back when he was still living in Houston. They had a revival in his neighborhood. Uh, and George was the guy who got excited about this and pushed the baptismal fount from the church into uh, the park at the end of the street in the neighborhood where they were having this revival. There's something really special about this act of baptism. In baptism, in some mysterious way that we can't quite put our finger on, God takes us, buries us with Christ and we rise as a new creation. We are brought into the life of the church through this act of baptism. It's interesting that Jesus uh, tells Nicodemus it's, it's not just being born of the Spirit, but it's being born of water in the Spirit. There's something special about baptism. And if if you've never been baptized, I encourage you to um, explore it because it is one of the ways that God mysteriously brings transformation to our lives. Um, So be thinking about it. It may be something that God is calling you to in this season as we come out of, you know, this, this season of anxiety with the virus and, you know, the the heightened anxiety with the protests going on around our country. It's possible that God wants to use baptism as a way to affirm in your life that he loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. It's not about what you can do for him, but he just loves you because you're you and you are his. verse 11, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can this be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. This is powerful. Uh, Jesus is here early in the Gospel, in chapter 3, he's given away the punchline. He's the son of man. He has been to heaven and back. And ultimately, he's going to be lifted up and die. And all who look upon him, all who put their trust in him, will receive eternal life. This is what we are about as a church, is we want to see people grow in this intimate relationship with Jesus that leads to eternal life. And when we say eternal life, we're not just saying that someday when you die, your body uh, will, you know, it's not just when you die someday, your spirit gets to float off into this ethereal reality and you still have consciousness. No, eternal life starts now. Eternal life starts when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it extends forever as we live into the life of God. And it's not some disembodied sitting on a cloud strumming a harp existence. It is resurrection in the new earth. It is Embracing everything that God created us to be in its perfected form. You know, we are, um, we've been in this season of high anxiety and, and we've been doing our best to respond faithfully and fearlessly. And what we're discovering is that there's more work to be done. And we don't do this work because we think it'll somehow make it so that God loves us more. Because, I mean, that's settled. Like, God loves us with the fiery passion of a million burning suns. And we can't make God love us more or do anything to have God love us less. But the more that we are about the work and business of God in the world, the more that we experience Satisfaction. The more we experience the fullness of the gifts that He wants to give us, you know, we've been um, we've been delivering meals uh, to families twice a week um, for nearly three months now, and it's been a powerful experience. and And so many of you have been a part of that, and, and I want to thank you. Um, because it's it's made a huge difference in the lives of these families the stories that come back and we hear about the way that God is providing at just the right time in their lives I I thank you and if you want to be a part of that uh, go on to our church website and you can give or you can send a check-in whatever it's uh, you know whatever works for you um, but I've just been so encouraged to see both the way that God is using that ministry to make a difference in people's lives and also the way God is using it to transform us. The way we are growing in our fearlessness and our selflessness. The the way that, that I'm seeing our folks make the decision to sacrifice in order to make the difference in the lives of of these families who who we don't know. You know, it's it's easy to love the people who we consider part of our in-group, the people who are already our friends, but to make the decision to reach out and to show the love of Jesus to people who we don't know, that's been really exciting. That's been really exciting to see the way that God is stretching us and pulling us and inviting us to embrace ever more of the gospel reality. So this afternoon, there is going to be a protest here in our community. Um, And this season that we are living in, in the American life, the temptation is going to be to pick sides. I'm with the protesters. No, I'm with the police. I think if we're wise, we will recognize that God calls us to be praying for both the protesters and the police. That God desires to see justice for those who've been oppressed. But God's justice is not one by the destruction of the oppressor, but by the transformation of the oppressor, by a change of heart. So we can pray that we are living into a more just and more equitable and more kind society. One where the church lives into its responsibility to heal the brokenness that we see rather than abdicating it and asking the police to do something they're wholly ill-equipped to do. We can pray that God is going to bring transformation and that it'll start with us. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ go near you to defend you, go before you to guide you, go behind you to forgive you, go above you to bless you, and live within you so you may love one another. He lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and even forevermore. Amen.